How many want to be filled today? Amen. Yes. 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 Taking us to the throne this morning. Yes. Well, as I have said before, there would be a quiz. Today the quiz comes. For the first quarter of 2013, we've been taking our time going over the life of Jesus. We've talked about Jesus every Sabbath thus far. And so I have a quiz for you. This quiz is for the adults, those 12 years old and up. And I have gifts in my hand right here, in my hand that I want to give away to somebody. So here are the rules. It's a simple rule. The first person I see who stands up with the correct answer will get the gift. That's is that easy enough? Easy enough. That's easy enough. All right, here we go. The first question. First question, one of the sermons we talked about, matter of fact, with the very first sermon, we talked about who do you say that I am? We talked about the fact that sometimes we have opinions about Jesus that aren't exactly correct. And Jesus says that if you want to follow me, there were three things you have to do. Somebody said to give you two of those three things. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. I know. We don't care. Amen. Amen. Are you ready for the next question? If you're ready, say I'm ready. I heard, I heard Elijah in the back. I, I said, if you're ready for the next question, say I'm ready. Oh, there we go. Uh, we talked about the fact that the centurion had a son, had a, a servant, excuse me, had a servant who was sick. And, and this servant, he, he can't a great deal about it. He, he sent a word to Jesus. And the centurion didn't want Jesus' presence under his roof. What did the centurion want? Oh, she's good. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Didn't even need the presence. Just speak the word. Amen. Amen. All right. Our last question. Our last question. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I said, are you ready? Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Our last question is regarding the, the last word we talked about was the leper who had been unclean. We talked about the fact that after when you were unclean, you had to leave the camp. You had to live outside of everybody else, that you had to wear ragged clothes, that you had to leave your hair on cake, that you had to cover the lower part of your mouth and you had to declare unclean, unclean. Now when the leper was made clean, they were supposed to go to the temple and they had a specific ritual there. This ritual required two, two doves, two pigeons, that they were taken and they would kill one pigeon over a bowl of water. And the blood would fall into the water, and, and then they would take the other dove, and they would dip it in the water. They would take some hyssop, and they would, they would take a, 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 a red yarn, and they would dip it in this bloody water mixture, and they would sprinkle seven times. And then he would let the dove go, and the dove would take off, spraying the blood and water everywhere. And we talked about the fact that this ritual had symbolic meaning. That symbolic meaning, and uh, the Apostle John... At Calvary, we saw something that gave an answer to that meaning. The first person who could stand up and tell me what the Apostle John saw. Say <laughs> it. That's right. When he was watering the blood, watering the blood. Oh, great, 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 great. So we're continuing with our series on Jesus. Continuing with our series on Jesus, and there will be another quiz. Amen. 
for the children today. For the children, I have a, a challenge for you as well. Today, I want you to take out a sheet of paper. I want you to write your name across the top, and I want you to count how many times in the sermon I say the word crowds. Crowds. When you think you have the correct number, I want you to circle your answer. I want you to head to get the door on the way out, and if you have the correct answer, there will be a prize winning you next week. What word are you listening for? Crowds. 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 I've entitled these remarks this morning, A We Little Problem. A We Little Problem. Let's ask the Lord to be with us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're praying that your spirit be with us in this moment. We're praying, dear Lord, that you will settle our hearts and focus our minds be with our hearing, dear Lord, that we might be able to understand your word and apply your word to our lives. I pray again, dear Lord, based upon your promise, that your word will not return to you void, but accomplish that for which you sent it. This is my prayer for Christ's sake, loving you always. Amen. Amen. A wee little problem. You know, I try to keep abreast of the latest trends in the religious world here in the United States. I read up all the statistics, and I check out what other churches are up to. I try to find out what's working and what's not working. So imagine my dismay as I continue to read in numerous places how the current generation views the church. There is a startling trend among young adults and teenagers that declares they overwhelmingly like Jesus. They like that Jesus was accepting of others. They like that Jesus cared about people. They like that Jesus took on the establishment in order to fight for the least and the last and the left out. They like Jesus, but they can't stand the church. of organized religion. They believe organized religion is all about making money or playing politics. They feel that we as Christians tend to be judgmental and condescending. They feel that we are closed-minded and bigoted. They love Jesus. They just can't stay in the church. And let's be honest, there's able reason for them to feel this way about church. When the Westboro Baptist Church protests at the funeral of soldiers in the name of their twisted theology, there's certainly ample reason for them to have a problem with the church. There's no wonder they have problems with the church when the quote traditional values are political code words for Christian ethics and they're used to rip up and drive other hateful political agendas. There is no wonder when every other week there seems to be some new clergy falling in moral disgrace and it graces our newspapers each week. They love Jesus. They just can't stay in the church. And this younger generation is wondering what happened to the church of Christ. Yet today I am not so much concerned with what's going on out there as I am with what's going on in here. I wonder today are there are some things that we are doing that might be turning people away from Christianity. Are we part of the problem? 
or part of the solution. Mm. And how can you be sure? If you have your Bibles, hang it out and turn with me to Luke, the 19th chapter. What book did I say? Luke, the 19th chapter. Luke, the 19th chapter. We're beginning in verse 1. Luke, the 19th chapter. Beginning in verse 1. A familiar passage. Luke, the 19th chapter. Beginning in verse 1. I'm reading from the New International Version this morning. Luke, the 19th chapter. Beginning in verse 1. This is the word of God. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Our lesson today begins at the resort town of Jericho. It was a beautiful city. Nestled beside the calming waters of the Jordan River, Jericho was an oasis of tranquility. I can almost see it now with this deep green vegetation glistening with the dew of another morning. The tall palm trees stand up at the entrance to its majestic walls, those walls, you remember, that a couple of centuries before had come tumbling down at the shock of Israel's host and the tread of Israel's God. I'm talking about Jericho. It was there in Jericho that its shimmering pools and bubbling fountains had been healed of their bitterness when Elisha had cast salt upon the waters. The barren ground had sprung to life again, yielded some, some wonderful results. What food it had produced? They say some of the sweetest dates and figs you'll ever find right there in Jericho. It was like the Miami of Israel. It was a resort town, a tourist destination. It was no small thing to see an elderly couple walking, strolling down the streets of the town hand in hand, or it was a retirement community, a, a place where many of the priests would go when they wanted to end their service for the Lord. It, I'm talking about Jericho. And it was nice. It was comfortable. It was beautiful. And it is through Jericho that Jesus traveled on his way to Jerusalem. It was almost as if this story is the calm before the storm. Jesus was on his way to the very seat of religious and political power in Israel. He was on his way to overturn tables and chase thieves from the temple. He was on his way to call out the Pharisees and challenge their doctrines. He was on his way to stand before the Sanhedrin and declare that he is the son of the Most High. He was on his way to challenge Pilate with the thought that he was the arbiter of truth. He was on his way to stand before heaven and declare that he was the true king of the Jews. Jesus was on his way to an old rugged cross. Jesus was on his way to a rich man's tomb. Jesus was on his way to a resurrection. But the word of God says he first had to pass <coughs> Jericho. Yeah. And it goes on to say in verse 2, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. What was his name? Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Come closer. The Bible wants to introduce you to somebody. His name? Zacchaeus. Now the scriptures paint a sordid picture of a man called Zacchaeus. We are told from the beginning that he is a tax collector by profession. That's not saying he's a drug dealer. Yeah. 
It's like saying he's a stripper. It was one of those jobs that polite society looked down on. No little Jewish boy raised his hand in class and said, when I grow up, I want to be a tax collector. <laughs> no one dreams of being a tax collector, and yet that was Zacchaeus' profession. Not only was he a tax collector, but the word of God tells us that he was the chief tax collector. Yeah. He had put in the time. He had come early. He had saved later. He had broken the shrewdest years. He had stored the most money. He had worked his way up the ladder until he was standing on that step. You know, the one where the instruction says, you shall not step any higher. It was, it was that step. It, it, you can get no higher. He was climbing the ladder to the top. Yeah, he was that man. All the other tax collectors reported to him. And he got a cut from whatever they got. He knew all the right people. He had made all the right connections. He played golf with the government. He did lunch with the mayor. He was the chief. He was the boss man. He was the HTIC, the head tax collector in charge. Are you with me? And not only was that as a tax collector, not only was he a chief tax collector, but the Bible also tells us that he was wealthy. He was what? Wealthy. He was simply speaking, stinking, filthy dirge. Okay. Before Ponzi had a scheme, and before pyramids was a scam, there was happiness. He was the best at cheating his clients. He was the best at stealing their patients. He took advantage of his position and leveraged all sorts of fines against them and slipped them into his pocket. He knew every trick in the book. In fact, he wrote the book. Zacchaeus <laughs> was that guy in town with the tricked out deuce of the quarter with tinted windows and a quarter gun with a belly plate that said Zach in the back. <laughs>
generally is functional and your work is successful. Sometimes life seems to be going all right, but there's just this nagging something. Something. You, you, you might not be able to put words to it, but you know there's something missing in your life. To everyone else, your life might seem to be well put together, but there's this uneasiness and stirring within your soul that cannot be met with a, another new car or another new house or another new gizmo. It's like being hungry and standing with the refrigerator door wide open and you can't seem to figure out exactly what you want. You ever been there? When you just stand there, there's all this food that we're saying, I just don't want this. All right, all right, all right, all right. You might have had a word for it. The Bible calls it loss. Yeah, that's what the Bible calls it. And maybe somebody came into this place here today feeling lost. Just missing something in their lives. They're looking for something and they just can't seem to find it anywhere. You're not alone. The tabloids are filled with stories of celebrities who seem to have it all but find a void in their lives. You're not alone. There are too many recollections of billionaires who feel this void even when they've made it to the top. You're not alone, boy. This is why Zacchaeus had to see Jesus. And the word of God goes on in verse 3. He says, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, being a what? Short man. Being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. He wanted to see Jesus, but he had a wee little problem. <laughs> he was too short to see over the heads of the crowd. Hey, we little problem. Can I stay right there for a moment? His height wasn't usually a problem. He might have to suffer for a few short jokes in his day, but his height hadn't stopped him from being powerful. Sometimes the crowds 
Jesus. All right. Give it away to folks seeing Jesus. Amen. And when the crowd was traveling with Jesus in the chapter just before this month, came upon a blind man sitting beside the road who was pleading for Jesus' help. The crowds told him to be quiet. But right. Jesus said, tell that man to come here. All right. All right. I tell you today that sometimes the crowds follow Jesus. Give it away to folks who want to see Jesus. Can I tell the truth this morning? Uh-huh. All right. Let's not keep it out there somewhere. Or back in the Bible pages. Let's bring it to this place. It disturbs me as a pastor. When I hear tell of individuals within the church who run away new believers All right. because of the way they look or All right. the way they dress. All right. All right. They think it's their responsibility to be God's security detail. All right. All right. I'm talking about the crowds following Jesus. Giving away the folks seeing Jesus. We feel like we have to be Jesus' bouncers. We have to be the one to tell others not to come to this place looking like this or acting like that. Now don't get me wrong. There is a time and a place and a way to share such things for new believers. But some folks are more concerned about propriety than they are about people. There are some more concerned about looking right instead of being right. All right, all right, all right. There are some who are more concerned about loving the truth than they are about loving people. All right. I tell you, sometimes the crowds follow Jesus, getting away the folks seeing Jesus. All right, all right. Sometimes the crowds get in the way because we are too caught up in church tradition. All right. Yeah, I'm going to talk about it. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Champions of the way things used to be. Used to be. They're experts at keeping the church historical record. Yes. They're the ones who are always saying, well, we tried it like that once, but it didn't work. Alright. It's the same people saying, well, young lady, that's not the way we do things All around right. here. We, right. we have a way around us. <laughs> and new ideas and new people are going away from the church. They are there are people who are more concerned about the status quo than they are about the status of souls. Jesus. 
So the word of God says in verse 4, says, so he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore fig tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way. It must have been a comical sight to see this grown little man running on ahead of the crowds. Can you see his hands grasping the trunk of that fig tree as he scoots his way up into his branches? Can you see his short little legs dangling from a branch overhanging a road like a little boy in a treehouse? I'm sure somebody would have had jokes about it, but Zacchaeus didn't care what other people thought. If he did, he wouldn't have been a tax collector. This little man was determined to see Jesus, and he found a way to deal with his wee little problem. And then something miraculous happens. As he's sitting there among the rustling leaves of that sycamore tree, Jesus stops right beneath him. And the Bible says in verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. All right. All right. Did you hear that? Yeah. Jesus called him by name. Yeah. Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus. But Jesus knew Zacchaeus. Jesus called him by name. Not only did Jesus call him by name, but he knew exactly where Zacchaeus was. Yeah. He didn't just know who he was. He knew where he was. All right. And he stopped right there in that spot, peered up to those branches and called Zacchaeus by name. How would you have felt? What would you have done if Jesus had called you by name? Well, we know what Zacchaeus did. For he says in verse 6, that same chapter, he says, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Welcome to how? Gladly. Gladly. And then comes one of the most unhelpful things in the entire story. That thing which must have made Jesus himself angry. The word of God says in verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter. All right. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. All right. Doesn't Jesus know who this man is? He's a sinner. They may not have said it to Jesus' face. In fact, the Bible says that they wanted this among themselves. But ain't that the way it always is? Some folks may never come out and say anything to the person they have a problem with in church. But as soon as church is over and we're sitting around our tables for lunch, you're talking about, uh, you know why you came down to the altar, don't you? <laughs> They ought to be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> Have you heard? Oh, Lord. We talk about them like they're a dead, dirty dog. <laughs> Some of us don't even wait till they're over. I know us. We roll our eyes when we see them. We mutter under our breath. We lean over to our spouse, spouse and, and whisper our displeasure. We don't have the nerve to say anything to them in person. However, we love to talk about them behind their back. All right, all right. Did Jesus know that this man was a sinner? What Jesus ought to do is preach a sermon about his sin. What Jesus ought to do is call them out on the spot and tell him what's what. What Jesus ought to do is think of a whole of some respectable person. Everyone has an opinion about what Jesus ought to do. How he ought 
He dressed impeccably well, spoke even better. He was helpful and kind-hearted. He and I had no profession in Oakwood, and matter of fact, he was my barber my first semester there. And on Friday afternoons, I would sit down in the chair and we would catch up on the week's happenings. I really liked him. A good friend of mine. So you can imagine my surprise when I received a call late one night informing me that he had been arrested for attempted murder. At first, I couldn't believe it. Not my friend. The man I knew was mellow and calm all the time. Surely they had the wrong person, but as the story came out, it turns out that my friend had done it. Apparently, he had a violent temper that broke loose late one night when he and a few friends he fallen into the robbing a convenience store. He tried to murder the cashier with a kitchen knife. Right now, as I'm speaking to you, this friend of mine is in prison serving 25 to life. One could look at that young man and shake her head. One could look at that young man and define him only as a murderer. One could look at that young man and consider him a lowlife and, and say, that's what's happening to our young people today. Yet I know a different side to him. I never saw his anger. I just knew the young man from whom, from in his prison cell, had counseled his younger brother, don't follow my path. I just knew the young man who only responded to his elders with yes sir and no man. When I think of him, I still see his grieving mother. I still see his ailing father. And I'm reminded that we are here for more than just our poor choices and our weaknesses and our failures. We too are someone's son, someone's daughter, someone's mother, someone's uncle. We, have all, we all have good qualities as well as bad ones. We are more than just the sum total of our mistakes. And Jesus reminds all those who are listening that Zacchaeus is also a son of Abraham. He reminds them of their shared identity, the commonality of their humanity. He reminds them that he was just like them. By calling Zacchaeus a child of Abraham, Jesus reminds the crowds that Zacchaeus may be a disobedient son, but he was still a son nonetheless. He may have lost his way, but not his privileges. He had lost his way, but not his dignity. He had lost his way, but not his humanity. He was lost, but he could be found. For Jesus says in verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. This was Jesus' mission statement. This is what he was all about. This was the passion of Jesus. The reason why the crowds following Jesus got in the way of those who wanted to see Jesus is because they didn't share Jesus' passion. They wanted to see Jesus seated on a throne, but Jesus was going to a cross. They wanted to see Jesus conquer the world, but Jesus was going to save the world. And the crowds who proclaimed him Lord on Sunday were the very same crowds who tried to crucify him on Friday. They didn't share the passion of Jesus. And if we don't care about the things Jesus cares about, then we have a tendency to get in Jesus' way. Oh, Zacchaeus is lost. But Jesus says the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. I've got good news for somebody here today. You might have come into this place feeling like Zacchaeus, feeling like you're missing something in your life, feeling a void in your heart, feeling restless. You may have not have a name for it, but you're yearning for something. 
Augustine, a bishop in North Africa, once said, Our hearts are restless until they find their peace in God. You came to this place maybe hoping to just get a glimpse of Jesus, but I'll do you one better. Just like Jesus knew who Zacchaeus was, Jesus knows who you are. Amen. He knows you by name. He's counting the very hairs upon your head. All right. He knows everything about you. He designed everything in you that, that your fingerprint is uniquely caused by God Almighty to be who you are. God knows who you are. You are not forgotten by God, and He's calling you by name. All right, all right. Today, salvation can be yours. Today, you can find peace that your heart is longing for. Today, you can feel that boy in your heart. He knows you. He knows you by name. Not only does he know you by name, he knows you where you are at. He, he knows your circumstances. He knows your situations. He knows the problems you're facing. He knows about your haters. He knows about your co-workers. He knows about that ungrateful boss. He knows about that heartache child. He knows about that stubborn spouse. He knows where you are in the circumstances of your life. And he still speaks to you, I'm seeking and saving the lost. You might feel lost today, but I can find you. If you just open the door of your heart, I will come in. It doesn't matter how long you've been lost, Jesus can find you. It doesn't matter what you've done to get lost, Jesus can find you. It doesn't matter who you are, Jesus can find you. Jesus is still seeking and saving the lost. And I'm so glad that he's still seeking the lost. Yes. Maybe for some of you it's been so long, you were lost, that since you were lost, that you've forgotten what it was like. You can't seem to remember how you used to be. You don't remember how you used to be unclean, or unkind, or unjust, or unmentionable, or uncontrollable. Can't remember how you used to be unbearable, or unbelieving, or unpleasant. I'm talking about being lost. Some of you don't remember how you used to be unreasonable or unscrupulous or unsettling or unruly. Can't remember how you used to be unstable or unreliable or ungrateful or unknown. I'm talking about being lost today. Some of you don't remember when you were distressed or disheartened or discouraged or disturbed or disdained. Can't remember how you used to be disappointed or disgusted or disgraced or disillusioned.
Y'all want the musicians? Want you yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to declare it if it had not been for the Lord on my side. Tell me where would I be? If you know, I want you to sing with me. Have you ever been fishing before? Your other friend said, yeah, we've gone. He said, have you ever been fishing before? 
Come down, come on, prayer to stand. The elders are waiting. The doors of the church are open. Come down. 
Father. We're praying right now that you save us, dear Father, because we cannot save ourselves. This is our prayer for Christ's sake. Love you always. Amen.